Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Today we're in our second part of this. Um, it is uh, a glorious church, and what we will study today is um, the purpose of the church. And we will look at it. And the verse that where we will, or the focus verse is Acts 4.20. And the, the purpose we would know, and we're not gathered together just to look and to come in and to appease ourselves and to go home. God has given us a purpose. And so um, when we look at it from the point that why did I come to God? And most of us can say I was tired of the weight that I was carrying and when I actually realized that there was a way for me to get rid of the weight that I was carrying and the guilt and everything else, then why wouldn't I do that? And so God has given us a purpose within us to share with others. And basically that's what we have. That is our purpose, to let people know um, that it's just not about us finding out about the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, and not just going to a pew and sitting down on a pew like I have done this, I have done what I felt I needed to do, and just forget about it. God never called us to do that. It is about letting others know, and that is our purpose. So this is what the, the focus verse says, for we cannot but speak the things which we, uh, which for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And if there was ever a true verse, that is it. So as we are Christians, as we do come to church, and this is how we benefit. When we come to church, it's just not about me. I actually said, I actually said one time, which may have shocked some of you, and this was a while back, but I actually said, I don't like some of the songs that we sing. And the reason I said that, it's not about me. Because there's probably more of you that like the songs and we sings of the one of me. And the only reason I said that is because I had the mic. But what I find is when I come to church is what God has done in your life. And the miracles, God. Because we sing the song, this is the house of miracles. Because what can benefit me I can get over the song back then that I didn't particularly care for of hearing of the miracles God has done in your life. And I can tell the ones in need of what God is doing in our house, which is God's house. So when he says, listen, I can only tell of the things which I have seen and heard. And then for me to just sit on my hands and not tell nobody, that's not, I'm not completing the purpose. And it's not that I'm bragging on something, look, hey, man, you don't, you don't get it. And people think that 
to a point that the church is nothing but a bunch of fruitcakes. That's what the world tells them. We live with a God that is still just as real as he was on the day of Pentecost. All he wants is somebody just to believe him, just to believe his word. So I want to go back. That was Acts 4.20. I want to go back to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles in Acts 4 and what this story does, I just want to skip. So I'm going to read Acts 1 and 2 uh, of Acts 4. And they spake unto the people. The priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them, being, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, the, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came and they're grieved. How dare you preach in the name of Jesus? We just crucified him. And you're literally still preaching this? Don't you understand? We just got rid of him and now you're preaching. All right, verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed because, and the number of them was about, and the number of the men was about 5,000 men. That was more than that. This is just the men. So in verse 7, and when they asked them, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? You don't get it? By the guy that you crucified. Verse 13 and, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men, and they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Right. That reminded me one time, I was speaking uh, to a man and his wife and uh, I was, they had asked me about something and I was doing my best to try to explain it and the man kept interrupting me. And his wife spoke up and said, will you just let him finish? And before I could say thank you, she said, it's just a fable anyway. So I'm telling you, you have to control your emotions sometimes. So the kindest way I could, I finished the story. Because I was just considered unlearned and ignorant. But I did finish the story. So verse 18 through 20. Now, and they called them and commanded them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John announced them and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, uh, then unto God, you be the judge of that. And now this is our key verse. For we cannot but speak the things which, but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Look, I know what I felt when I came to God is what they're saying. And as I continually go to church and we gather and we come as a body, I see what God has done in each and every individual life. And that is what I tell the world. That is what I see in the church. And that is what they're saying. And so that is our purpose, literally, not to just try to hoard every bit I can within the body of myself and the goodness of the Lord and study his word because nine times out of ten, God does do things and give us things. And if you pray, I've always, I've said it and I'll say it as long as God lets me live. I do everything by the Bible. When I find something that shoves me to the wall, I go to this book. Okay? Most of the time, you can tell that later. There is some things that's 100% private. But most of the times, you can take that and share it with someone that's in the same boat that you're in. But 
it, there's times that you can use that for a purpose. Because we're all flesh and blood. We all share same interests. We have uh, different personalities. But we have a purpose. And the purpose is, is to share this gospel. Let's go with me, uh, if you will, to, I want to go, uh, I want to touch base with the, um, the lesson uh, of last week. And first thing I want to do, is, if you don't want to go with me, you can just read off the screen. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy, um, Moses is basically doing just a farewell speech here. I'm just going to hit it and go back. Um, so he takes, in, in the sixth chapter, most of the time we go straight to verse 4. But I want to read verse 1 first. Now he's telling them. What he's telling them here in the, in, in the first one, he said, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord, uh, Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go in to, to possess it. Okay, what does that mean to us? This is Moses telling them, You're fixing to go into a land and all the benefits that God has given you, you didn't do a thing for them. But there's a stipulation that comes with that. There is commandments. That's what you have been commanded to do. There's a statute that goes with that commandment. A statute is a limit, literally a defined limit to that commandment. And there's a judgment to that. That is if you go beyond the statute. So Moses is telling them this is not just a land flowing with milk and honey with just an open invitation, do what you want. No, God has put a line there. But God's going to give it to you. And so he tells them, Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's what we always go to, but we always skip the first verse. So now, uh, go with me now to Matthew, uh, the 16th chapter. So he's telling them now in Matthew 16 that this is where the, the apostles, they go to um, uh, Caesarea Philippi. So this is 6, 13 and... He's telling them here. This is touching last week. So they go, they go to uh, this. Now, and when they come to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do the, who do the men say the son of man am? So he's telling them. He goes there. So he says this. Now, this is basically not a Jewish region. He goes this. It was basically occupied by Gentiles. That's given why all the idols is there. All the Jewish, uh, not Jewish, but all the deities is there. So this is where God chose to take them to ask this, this question. And that's why it's so important to apostolic Pentecostals is who is your God? Can you explain who your God is? They say, well, my God is Jesus. Okay. Do you know who Jesus is? God is asking them, who do the men say that I am? It matters. Can you tell who your God is? God is asking them. You need to know who your God is. The world says there's three of them. There's not. Here or Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is the purpose of the church. Don't let the world define who your God is. You define who your God is. There is one God and his name is Jesus. Colossians tell us all the fullness is in him. Is in him. He is the image of the invisible God. 
Jesus Christ. That's him. So he's taken, he's there. In, in the, uh, uh, literally, when Jesus told them, upon this rock I will build my church. That's the first time you search the Bible. The word church is not in the Old Testament nowhere. And it comes up and Jesus is the first one to mention it in the New Testament. And upon this revelation that the apostle Peter said, and he, Jesus literally tells him, you didn't get this at church. Literally, you didn't pick this up at the synagogue. It was a revelation revealed to you. So therefore, upon this revelation, it will have the strength for me to build my church. And if you listen to people, they're going to say, no, that's not right. That's not right. But that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is you have the strength to stand. When you know who God is, that is beginning of the purpose to understand that is who it is. And this is a line when he said the gates of hell can't cross. You have a line that the enemy can't cross because you know who your God is. So he's telling them that. That is our purpose we are to share that with the world. If somebody disagrees with you or me, that's okay. They're not going to change my mind. And I'm not trying to be arrogant. All I'm saying is, here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one. And I'm telling you, and I've said it, I believe it. It is the most beautiful love story there is in this Bible. To realize that God did not look at his son and say, you go. God said, I will make me a body. And I will inhabit that body. That is a beautiful love story. And it is the purpose of the church is to reveal this within ourselves to the world. So I want you to go with me to Isaiah. Isaiah, the 56th chapter. It is where this, and I want you to stay with me. Isaiah 56, uh, 1 through 7. I'm going to read it and then I'll come back and talk about it. Now, just some of the wording may seem strange at start, but just stay with me. Isaiah the 56, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice. Now, let me stop there just a second. This, through the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon Isaiah, was written approximately 720 years before the day of Pentecost. But listen. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and the daughters will I give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And also the sons of the stranger shall join themselves unto the Lord and serve him and love the name of the Lord to, uh, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain. And listen, 
and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now, this is Isaiah. He's writing. He's telling this. And in verse 3, Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself um, to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from my people. From my people. Now, from his people. Now, I remember a long time ago. It's been a while. This is not the stranger. I'm telling you, the Jews thought, if you wasn't a Jew, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just being honest. If you wasn't a Jew a long, long, long time ago, you didn't have a chance. And this wasn't a stranger. This was the stranger, son. Long time ago in 82, I'll bring this right back up. 82, when I first come here, you might can be in a crowd and be okay. But that don't gel well with me. But I know sitting right back over there in 1982... What I felt when my wife asked me, did I want to come pray? The son of the stranger said, my dad didn't have a chance. And I'm his son. And God said, let him take hold of my covenant. And I'll make a, I'll make a place for him in my house. He won't go lacking. He can have a place. And I'm telling you, we live, in a, we live in a time. You don't know where to start. And the Bible says, Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. There is so many layers to life. Our world used to, people just come to church, they prayed and repented and it was over. I'm telling you, there's so much stuff going on now. You don't know what level of layer they're at. There is so many sins that's going on now. I'm just speaking for the eunuch. I've been wounded so bad that I'm just a dry tree. I got a wound that's going that's never going to be healed. And I'm just a dry tree. I'm just withering away one day at a time. And God said, come to my house. And we look at people and say, what are you doing here? We can't do that. We can't do that. And then we look at, and, and the Bible tells us in Romans, You've got to be a living sacrifice. And we look at the Old Testament terminology. I don't know. I may mention this more than anybody else. But he says, I will accept your burnt offerings. I'm telling you, a burnt offering and a sacrifice was the only sacrifice that was wholly consumed. And what that means in 2023 language to the ones that says, Nobody sees me. I got a wound that won't heal. God said, if you will bring that to my house. 
a burnt offering means if you will come to my house, an offering that was wholly consumed means you bring it, you will not leave with it. Means come here. You don't have to leave with it. It means when they offered their offering to God, it meant that it was wholly consumed and the sacrifice went up to God. And it means you left and you did not have to take it with you. And, and some people says, that don't mean nothing to me. Yes, it does. It means the heaviness and the weight that you feel. You don't have to go home with it. God said, come into my house, all people, and, and quit thinking race. That doesn't mean race altogether. I mean, Joel told us he's going to pour out his spirit on all people. We got so many layers of life going on now. Just let people come in with whatever they have, and God's going to touch. That's our purpose. We can't judge people. I don't care what color they are, who they look like. It's the different layers that we deal with. God said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. My house. My house. God is just saying, come to my house. Come to my house. Offer your sacrifice. It will be accepted. It will be accepted. So he's going to do it. That's our purpose. That is our purpose my house is going to be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer. I want to go, go with me to Acts, Acts 2. I want to look at one thing with you. In Acts 2, the very last verse. Acts 2. In the verse... Acts 2 and 47... This is after Pentecost. The Bible says they was praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Daily. The Lord added daily. Would you take this from a time frenetic? From a time frenetic? Daily is not a 24-hour period. I hate to say this, but trust me. It is not a time period. Okay. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. He is the head of the body. And just look at this. I'll just do a, a, just a natural example. I don't need 24 left arms. Speaking as Christ, he is the head of the body. The body is the church. He has designated us. Okay, daily means literally down from throughout. In other words, Christ is the head of the body. And as the head of the body, he has positioned us throughout the body. And God said... He would add to the church. Now I wonder, I'm not just picking on me. I don't want to mess with you. 
1982, how many would have looked at me and said, let's use him. Or now I'll go to you. How many would have said, I'm going to use you? The head of the body picked you. He is the head of the body. The Lord added daily, meaning God designed you where you're at. He has picked you, literally. And now, God knows. He knows. You have been designed and picked where you're at. And now I'm going to really freak you out. I'm going to a motocross example. (laughs) I've told you. I got a perfect example. Our God did this. There's a couple young guys I've been watching through the years. Their family, well over a thousand miles from here, another whole country. And while I'm going to be speaking in the natural, it is to make a spiritual point. Their family literally, literally, this is not made up, sold everything they had, put it in their sons, moved to Europe, started racing with their sons. They started doing good and but their dream was to come to America to race motocross. So they came to America, one, the younger one, um, he was just, man, he was just dripping with talent. He is so excellent on a dirt bike. It is amazing to watch. The older one, it's the one I'm speaking of. He has had so many injuries and seemed like everything he has got, he's had to work three times as hard to earn. And here his, the younger brother is the one that's always spoken of. When people speak of these brothers, it's the younger one that's always mentioned. The older one is never even spoken of. So, finally, the older brother gets well. And he goes in. It's the very first race of the Nationals. And the first corner in, in a race is the most dangerous corner because you have 40 riders on a gate, 40 dirt bikes. They start them. Then it's condensed down to about a 25-foot opening. And it's always on a curve. So in the very first race, on the very first corner, he gets into a pileup, not even of his own making, and blew his shoulder out. So he goes back, and I never knew this till later, but he tells, he tells his parents, I'm done. I will not race anymore. So his parents has the wisdom enough to say, let's get through this. We can get through this injury. 
and we're not making any decision while you in this attitude. Let's get through this. So he does. He gets through it. But what they tell him is that you, you are a champion. Not that one day you will be a champion. You are a champion. Right now, he's sitting at home watching his brother do amazing things. And he's sitting at home thinking, I'll never be that. And he, they slowly start working with him. And this is his parents working with him. And he's got a trainer. But a trainer, who is he? He's just a multi-time champion. So his words don't mean as much as coming from the people that love him. So they keep telling him, you can do this, you can do this. So finally he gets over it, he starts, and last year, I can tell you, he was crowned a champion. And then I was listening to him in an interview, and... What he said, these, these boys is young. I'm talking early, 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 early. One of them's even, the, the young one's even 19, and, and he's like early 20s. And what he said is beyond his years. Um, because they had a rough time. And they asked him, and they said, it must have been some kind of pressure going through what you had to go through. And he told them, pressure, this is what I live for. You call this pressure? And then he said, pressure is when the family sits down and we don't have nothing to eat. That is pressure. And then he said one more thing. He said, what makes this title special is not the land that I wanted on. It's the people around you that made it special. So that's one reason a church is so special. Because it's the benefit of reaping from the people that you have around you. You're not making an island to yourself. It's the stories, the situations of people that has went through situations that you thought they could never go through. It's what you reap from. It's a benefit. It's the stories that you can tell, honest stories. Not made. That was absolutely 100% true story I just revealed to you. But it's Christian stories that we see. And it's not people that's just coming to church because we don't have nothing better to do. It's a life-changing, altering situation that we live for every day. Now, I want to, one more time, I'm going to go, I want to speak, I want to speak of David. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, I'll just read this. But 
Well, one verse I didn't give her. I'll just read. Uh, here you have Samuel. Here's the prophet. And the one I didn't give her, let, let me just read. I'm going to just read um, 16.1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, verse 13. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, in Ruth... David has made reference to. But in Samuel 16, 13 is our introduction to David. So he goes and he goes to Jesse. And what's really unique is here is a father that seemingly doesn't even want to mention his son for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't, I, I don't want to leave the impression that he doesn't mention his son. He just seems like he's just keeping these sheep. And I don't know if that was said before, if David was, look, just, he's just a shepherd and he looked down on and that's where his brothers picked it up when he went to the war later to face Goliath. And the brothers said, where's them few sheep? I don't know. All that I know is Jesse... Samuel even told him, are you sure this is all the sons you have? Well, there's one more out there in the field, you know. So, this I do know. Even if your family, even if your family don't acknowledge you, God is still true. God is still true and loving. Abraham the father of the faithful is mentioned 230 times in scripture. Moses, the giver of the law, Mount Sinai, he's mentioned 784 times in scripture. But David would be known as the shepherd as one of the titles. He is mentioned 1,000 139 times. With everything that happened to David, the good, the bad, and truly the ugly, the repentance that we see of David, um, people has wondered about David. Why did God go so far as say, a man after mine own heart? And the Bible even says, and it's forever etched, I will say, in eternity. That God is referred to as not Abraham's son, not Moses' son, but David's son. Because in 16.1, he tells them, I have provided me a king. In other words, my flesh, my bloodline is going to be through David. So, but I found this truly unique. And I know I'm looking at this through human eyes. 
But this I can tell you. One reason why it might be the son of David. This I do know. It's recorded in these scriptures. David is the first one that told the Lord that he loved him. And I don't know if that's a reason. Only God knows. But when we take time and communicate with the Lord and give ourselves to him, that's why he says, when you come into my house, bring your burnt offering, be a living sacrifice, and what you come with, you don't have to leave with. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you this morning. We love you, holy God. We thank you for the purpose that you've given us. We ask you this day, Lord God, to touch us, each and every one of us, to strengthen us, Lord God, through your holy name, that you would give us, Lord God, the purpose, the drive, the determination, Lord. Have your way, God, I pray. Touch today, Lord God, we pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Grant it, God, and we'll thank you in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.